Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome back to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Brian, here with my co-host, Ben Brandell. And today we're going to be talking about an awesome weekend that we just had recently. It was a busy weekend, and when we got home, I guess I should speak for myself. I was beat, man. I was really tired. Had all gear to unpack, and I didn't want to unpack it, but got to take care of your gear. Got to take care of your stuff. But we actually took part in the National Outdoor Recreation and Conservation School. It was the 25th year. Uh, People call it WOW School for short. But it is a group of a lot of partners coming together to put on this awesome school. It was at Roaring River State Park, which is here in southwest Missouri, um, is one of the most beautiful state parks we have here in the state. I I love it. And having this in October is brilliant because it's so beautiful there. But they've got really deep springs, a hatchery, uh, a trout stream, and camping, tons of hiking, and thousands and thousands of acres of just beautiful wildlife area. Mm-hmm. It is the Ozarks epitomized, and it is awesome to be there. It's awesome to bring all these families in. But you've got Missouri State Parks, the National Forest Service, Missouri Department of Conservation, Bass Pro Shops, Corps of Engineers, Corps of Engineers mm-hmm. Missouri State Parks. You've got all these people, wonders of wildlife, so many people coming together to put on this awesome school. Uh, I think there was... I don't know how many families, but there was well over 200 people at this event. Right. And it's a huge catalog of courses they can take. Everything from from Dutch oven cooking to tying flies, tree identification. I, I could never go through the whole list. A lot of survival classes. Survival classes. Mm-hmm. All these things that uh, are taught there, but it's a great time for families to get outdoors, to learn new skills, and to learn things about conservation. And We were asked to be a part of it, which we're really thankful for. Uh, it was a long weekend for us, but man, it was it was really great. We built new relationships. We got to go out and teach things that we love and we're passionate about. So I enjoyed it. So it's it's three days of courses. It starts on Friday and goes through Sunday. Uh, so people can can come into town. You don't have to take classes the whole day. You can sign up and come into town. People travel from pretty good distance for this every year. Do. Um, but you start classes Friday evening. There's two sessions on Saturday and two sessions on Sunday. Um, so there really are a lot, lot of opportunities for you to, uh, to get, to get uh, some outdoor knowledge that that you've been looking for, and maybe something you didn't even think you wanted, but just saw it on the list. Um, we, we were teaching uh, on Friday. We actually got to do the overnight trip, so travel a little ways down the road to the lake, and we're actually paddling kind of backwards up river. So Roaring River actually flows into Table Rock Lake. We got to put in with a crew of folks that signed up for a class at the marina and paddle all the way up into Roaring River. The water's really low, so we couldn't go that far. We went about three and a half miles, mm-hmm. and we set up camp that night with this with this crew and stayed overnight. And then on Saturday, uh, we finished up around lunchtime, which gave us time to reset, put our classes together for Sunday. We brought the boat with us because we were by the lake, so we'd go out yeah, and do a did. little fishing. And then on Sunday, we taught all day on Sunday, the morning session and afternoon session. In the morning, we taught modern predator trapping with mm. modern traps. And then uh, in the afternoon, we finished up with survival bug out bags. And then we uh, packed it up and, and head on home. But it's three days. There, you know, a couple of the days felt really fast. And then as a whole, it kind of felt like a, a long weekend, but it was fun. And we got to share, like I said, passions. But wasn't a lot of sleep and sleeping conditions where we slept weren't awesome, which we could get into that a little bit more in a minute. Uh, but it's, it's just always good after weekends like that to, to see the family when you get home. Um, you don't get to talk to them a lot, even when you're out, when you're out kind of in, I'll call it the back country, but when you're out in these rural places without a lot of signal and you're busy, you don't mm-hmm. even really get to call. Or if you do call, it's like, Hey, I'm okay. Are you okay? Yeah, we're all good. All right. See you right. in a couple of days. Well, we were in cell phone range majority of the time yeah kind of in and out you know but when when you are that busy uh you just don't have time to to even make the call and when you do it's it's short and sweet right Mm -hmm. and so with that i just want to i want to give thanks for the cell phone because it would be really hard um to go on these trips and even plan these weekends even though it's our job 
uh, leaving young kids and a wife at home and not being able to, to check in and see if they're okay. You know, we talk about alone, the survival show alone, and that we couldn't do it because you can't check in. You're, you're missing birthdays and play dates and all these things, and you don't even know if your family's okay. Um, so being able to get some service, even if you have to drive to the top of the hill, most areas you can, and just check in and let them know you're okay. I'm thankful for that. So I don't love cell phones, but I am thankful for them for that for this instance right now that we can check on our families when we have to go work. You know, that's a huge topic to to dig into. Going through the recreational degree that I did, that was something that was brought in quite a bit of of it was in the early days of should we be using technology in the outdoors? Mm-hmm. And then during my study before I graduated, you know, it kind of got into we should be using technology and here's how. Here's how you can mix and, and use both. Well, and, I didn't take that degree, and my initial reaction would be that we absolutely should be. We should. Yeah. And, and at the end, I guess, if, if we're getting into that, we should be using it. However, we shouldn't be reliant on it. Yes. So if if it is a, a tool, like anything else, we should use it, mm-hmm. but we shouldn't be putting all of our eggs in that basket is, is how I could best describe it. If, if you're re- solely relying on your communication being your cell phone and... You get out there to use it and you can't use it, well, then you don't know how to how to to be in the outdoors correctly. That's how I would I would wrap it up. Well, yeah, your base your base communication would be your skills. So whether you have to send up a, a smoke fire or <laughs> yeah. yell really loud, yeah, skills and talents we'll call it. Um, and then the next step up for that would be you know we had a flare. If we had to flare for help, we had a flare, but. Really, obviously, your best communication would be the cell phone. So start with your best and, and work your way down what you have. But if you kind of have... Um... But what we're talking about even... Okay, we went on an overnight, so a map. Mm-hmm. You know, We did use our cell phone for a map, and I believe you should. However, if that cell phone goes dead, you better have a backup map. Yeah, because your GPS can track you whether you have service or not. Correct, but I'm talking about the map itself, right? Knowing where to go and and where you're at based on your surroundings, looking at the map. Mm-hmm. Those are the skills that people should be learning. And what's cool about Wow School is that there are classes that you can take to learn all those different types of skills. Yeah, topo map reading. I yeah. mean, they even had a drones class. Yeah, right. So how to use a drone, and, and now you're looking at aerial footage from above. But they could have sent somebody to come find us. Right. You know, actually, there are television shows you and I are. You know. Okay, I know where you're going here. I love it's the new Life PD. It's called yeah. On Patrol Live. Right. And and these uh, police departments are sending out drones when people are running from them, rather than having to wait for a helicopter to get up in the air and paying some of mm-hmm. these more low budget. Departments can have drones and send out drones well, they are fugitives that so are running. Where I live, in the <clears throat> small city I live, it's a really long story. City? It is a city. That's, okay, that's... I mean, it is it is a city. What are you going to call, call it? it? town. Oh, a town, okay. <laughs> it's not a, it's not necessarily a drive-through. There's there's more to stop at. We have a restaurant and a bank. Restaurant. But, you know, I, I guess technically I am combining our two cities together, yes. right? So, but with that being said... Um, I I do know that our area uses drones, mm-hmm. and that's a powerful tool for for especially our, our law enforcement. Yeah, so it's great. But with Wow School, they teach a lot of skills. You know, we're going to get into what we taught, which we were super excited about. But I am thankful for technology. I've said it before that it's awesome to have it. I just hope that we don't become so reliant on it, reliant on it, that we lose the basics. Right. And, and to kind of highlight what you're saying there, so I downloaded on my phone the the GPS maps, mm-hmm. which also is only good if I have battery. So I took external batteries to charge my, my phone. I always take at least two charges. Mm-hmm. I always take one more charge than the night that I'm staying, right. what I try to do. Because right. when you're running those things, it can suck your battery down. And even if you have a map on your phone, if you can't turn it on, it yeah. doesn't matter. But I got to give a shout out to Hugh Gibson because uh, he was my professor and when I first got in the program, it was kind of this idea of we should stay away from technology. But then, you know, again, as I got to, towards the end, he was really helping people understand how to use a GPS, but not putting all your eggs in the basket, knowing how to use a map and compass, but then also using, you know, today's tools like the GPS. They even have classes at Wow School called geocaching. So right. you use a GPS to go find caches that are stored. 
Um, it's kind of like scavenger hunt for adults or, you know, an Easter egg hunt. So, But I think somebody found the cache and they didn't get to do their geocache. Well, I heard for this class, yeah, it got canceled because somebody found the cache. Before the class. Before the class. But in geocaching, you're really not supposed to take the catch, your cache. <laughs> yeah. You're supposed to return, you know, leave it for something else. Or if there are several items, you can maybe take one or replace it with something else. Right. But you're not supposed to steal it. Take the whole thing. <laughs> I, I heard that possibly happened, so they yeah. had to cancel that class. I don't know. Yeah, and, and so like with my phone, you know, I've got the map on my phone, and I want to track how far we're going. I want to be able to know exactly where we're going. We can even track our pace and our time mm-hmm. so that we know, you know, hey, we're going to be there. We'll still have an hour of daylight to get camp set up, all that. We no. want to make sure for these trips, right. these beginner trips, that we're hitting all those points so that we're not pushing these people too far. But also, we look at these maps and study them before we go. So if for some reason I drop my phone in the lake, we can still get to the point where we're going to and back mm-hmm. because we've looked and studied the maps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I actually have a map, so... I, I know you always got a paper I, map. I do. I do. I love. I love having them. Um, I think it just gives me that reassurance. But, um, <laughs> but you know, the power of the phone today, you know, from the alarm clock we use on it. There's an alarm clock. Yeah. Uh, you were just talking. You know, in our past episodes, we talked about the app that we use, which is Topo Plus. Uh-huh. Um, it's a great, great tool that we yeah. used, right? Um, but there's also features on there that were awesome. I mean, I used it as my alarm clock to wake up to to make sure that I got up before everyone else that morning or tried to. Before everybody. But yeah, we me. had some people wake up a lot <laughs> earlier than, than even you and I did. Um, but overall, WOW School, um, amazing program. Um, I learned a lot from this weekend. What about you? How, what What's one kind of takeaway from WOW School before we dig into exactly what we taught? A takeaway. You know... I've said this before, and I'll reiterate it. You never know what you're getting into, when you, especially when you sign up for an overnight, sign up to lead an overnight. The responsibility of it is a little weighty. Um, you and I take it pretty serious, and I appreciate so much the, the detail that you put into um, even the, the EVAC plan that you put out, knowing where to sit, leaving behind where to send an ambulance to, if where to get to us. So... All the detail and the time, um, we probably put more time in in the front end and the back end than we even actually do on the trip. Um, And there's always nervousness, but when I get out there and I start building relationships and talking about people and having people ask about us, sharing our business, sharing our family, sharing our love for Jesus Christ, it's just so quick to remind me why God has us doing this, why He has us doing this right now, because... We do love these things, and for some reason or another, we're able to pull them off from beginning to end and and so far keep people safe, Um, but the relationships, the stories, everybody's just, there's 7 billion people on this planet, everybody has a unique story. Nobody shares the same one, and that is amazing to me. So I love just hearing people's lives. Uh, When there's kids, I love hearing their dreams and their goals and why they're there with us. So really just the takeaway of, when, when all the junk of life has pulled away, whether you didn't have the gear you wanted, uh, the river was too low, the, the things that we can't control, what we can control is how we treat other people and, and how we pursue those relationships. And God kind of left us with that. You know, love me and love your neighbor. And mm-hmm. that's, if you forget everything else, remember those two things and you're good. So just, just getting to know people well, to help people that are listening. We're still talking so, to these people today. Yeah, so we spent a lot of time with these people for this class. So what you're talking about, the first class we taught was an overnight canoe mm-hmm. paddling trip. Yeah. And in the Ozarks, they call it floating. But we weren't floating, we were paddling. We're, there right? wasn't much floating since we're going upstream right. into the so, wind. <laughs> you know, this is what we'd call more open water. It's it's not a a river where you put in a point A and, it, and we go down and take out at point right. B or C. We started in the lake, ended in the river. Uh, well, we camped in the river, and then we, we ended back at the lake. Right. So we, we went down and back. And that's kind of the confusion sometimes is, is on different paddling trips. You know, I've had kids in the past that said, can I leave my stuff here? Because aren't we going to come back here like they thought it was this... Um, lazy river. Lazy river style it's where a you loop. ended up. But 
in fact, this this overnight trip was because we we took out where we put in. Right. But that doesn't always happen on a paddling trip. But that that was the trip. It was a, a two day trip. And so what Brian's talking about there is is he actually had time to spend with these people to build a relationship. Now, when we look at what we did on Sunday, our, our two classes we taught on Sunday, there is time to build a relationship, but because it's so fast-paced, it's a couple hours, two to three hours, you don't get to build as much relationship. And that's when we talk about the outdoor school, when we're look, really looking at outdoor programming, it really does depend on how much time you have with a group of people to build and grow. So, Yeah, what, what was cool for us, though, is that some of the students we had in, in our shorter classes on Sunday we're returning from our, our overnight class. So we mm-hmm. still had a relationship there and could build on it even more. And then those that weren't in the class, you know, I went ahead just so they could be really endeared to me. I went ahead and slammed my finger in the coyote trap so they could just really be endeared to who I was so that they knew I was there for them. Well, I winked at the group like <laughs> he did it on purpose, but he made it known and made it very clear that uh, he did not mean to I owned it. set I owned the trap it. and smash his finger. Yeah. Right. Had I had I done it on purpose, I would not have done it the way that it happened. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, way to be humble and roll yes. on, you know. Um, you know the the school though. I, that if anyone listening can get a chance to do it, the Roaring River School always takes place the weekend before Columbus Day. So Brian was talking about it being in October, but you know, on our trip it was fall weather, and some of the participants that were coming in were. You could tell they were nervous about the temperature that it was going to be that night. That yeah, in our communications before, through phone calls and emails, before we left for the trip, there was some uneasiness mm-hmm. um, about different things. But the most reoccurring thing was the cold. How am I going to How am I going to stay warm? Stay warm. Um, and and they're borrowing gear. They brought a little of their own gear, but really, they all they had to bring was their clothes and whatever hygiene items they need. And and uh, wonders of wildlife. Uh, with other partners donations from bass pro they've they've accumulated this pretty solid uh supply of gear that we can supply enough gear for everybody to go on these overnight trips so that's kind of how the trip started we all met at the supply truck and and really based off your knowledge of all these trips started handling that i mean the teaching began right there yeah i mean we could have just packed their bags and they could have came and picked them up but they really need to know what they're taking how to keep it dry while while they're going, how to pack it into their bags. That was a question we got is why do we need dry bags? Yeah. You know, and it isn't for when everything's going good. It's for if it goes bad. Yeah. Right. So you I can. I hope you don't need a dry bag. Right. I hope you don't need it. Yeah. But you plan for the worst uh, in case you do. And so really just teaching what items we should be taking with us on an overnight paddling trip. And um, that ranges from, you know, food, fire, shelter, water, and then the basics of we want to keep all of this equipment dry for in the event that any of the, really, any kind of water, water splashing in from paddling to the worst case scenario of flipping, you know, tipping, flipping, right. and, and everything getting wet. So we taught those basics there on land, and then we got down to Water's Edge, went over a few reminders. A lot of them said that they, they had paddled before. They felt experienced enough to paddle, so we went over a few strokes. Yeah, and, and these were canoes. Yeah. Everybody was in a canoe except for myself. I was in a kayak, and the reason we do that is just for rescue reasons. Yeah. I can go a little bit faster you can, you can and a little faster. bit more nimble, mm-hmm. um, and if something were to happen, I could I could get to somebody um, with my boat, with my with an extra life vest. We take throw ropes as well, so... Yep. Um, it just gives us a little bit more security in that. But everybody else was in canoes. It kind of stunk because it did give us an odd number. Uh, so one person did have to go by themselves. Right. And that was going to be me. Yes. So originally I would planned, because of the odd numbers, I was going to be in a canoe by myself. I, I'm With my, my past experiences, my knowledge, my who I am, I knew I could paddle it easily, even with equipment. But we had a, a participant that I just felt like needed to... To possibly yeah. be with me and let's this. just say we we had an age range on this trip of 13 was our youngest and then we had uh, a 76 year old woman mm-hmm. who this was kind of uh almost a bucket list thing for her to do right. an overnight paddling trip and and we were sleeping in hammock tents and that was a big thing for her she really wanted to do this so we knew that was her goal we were going to make that happen whatever we had to do to make that happen um but it would have been uh it would just worked out best safety wise uh, to put you and her together. Mm-hmm. Right, and so, you know, the trip, 
I asked you what something that you learned. I think for me on that takeaway. Hey Ben, what did you learn from this trip? Yeah, thanks Brian. Thank you. <laughs> you know what I actually learned from this trip. Um, it's like the story of the duck on the pond. You know, as leaders, as people, no matter what the situation, we we should look cool and calm on the top of the water. Yeah. Um, and then on the inside of us, doesn't matter how fast we're going, just like the the duck's feet. When you look under the water, those feet are going 100 miles an hour under. They're going left, right, up, and down. But when you see a duck up above the surface, it's cool, calm, collected. It looks looks majestic almost. Yeah. And you know, I believe we as leaders should should be that way. It, it's good to feel nervous to to have those feelings that are coming over you all the time, but we should still look calm and collective. And I thought I was doing that. I thought I did that in the very beginning. Um, to kind of back up in our story, there was a there was a lot going on in that load-up process. Uh-huh. Um, you know, there were some other things happening in the parking lot as we were loading that um, was taking away from um, really some of our focus and, and attention. Um, and so in all of that and getting everybody really ready and making sure that we had all the equipment, that everybody was set, I feel like maybe I came across as is not as cool and calm as I thought I was. Right. And I didn't really learn that until um, later, kind of at the water's edge, kind of a quick check-in. I think some of the participants maybe thought I was um, maybe frustrated or uh, not there. And Well, just in the group, the group as a whole, um, you know, as when we're running these, we're, you and I are watching, we're taking in everything, the dynamics of the group the whole time. But you know, in our drive over the thing, we're like, all right, there's, there seems to be a little sense of frustration here. What can we do? What can we leave out? What can we add in? Um, we have a great idea and flow of every program that we go into, but we're only as strong as our pivot, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. If we're going to stick to what we're doing, even though something else is needed, then we're not really great teachers. We're not really great leaders. So we'd have to pivot a few times and leave a few things out and add a few things in. Um, but you and I, are uh, we're discussing that every private moment that we can along the way. Be- and not against people. We're not Mm-mm. We're not talking behind people's backs. We're not. We're not doing any of that. It's just, hey, this group needs this. I'm seeing this. What are you seeing? Yeah, I see that too. Uh, yeah, today people use the word aside. energy, which yeah. I'm not a huge fan of talking about energy. The vibes, dude. I mean, it's the vibes. But but if it to help use today's terms, that's what we're talking about is yeah. is the the morale is what I would use instead of energy, but the morale of the group and where are we at and, and how are we as a team. You know, because when you're in a leadership position of any kind, your leadership style, who you are as a leader, has an impact on the people around you. So if you are calm and confident, people will tend to fall fall into that same category as you. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're nervous and, and angry, mad, terrified, whatever that is, the rest of your group will be that way too, <laughs> you know? And so because I felt like maybe there was a little frustration, I felt like possibly that was coming from me. And it definitely could have been, you know, because I, I, maybe I was not cool, as calm as I thought I appeared to be. And, and I think as a leader, you have to respond to how people feel. That's why I do a check-in all the time. Yeah. I ask those questions because if they're good, then then I know we, we're doing pretty good with where we're at. So um, I learned that, yeah, just taking that feedback and then owning it and realizing, you know what, whether it is or isn't me, it is me as the leader and trying to turn that around to to remember that maybe I'm not smiling when I should be. Right. Um even though I'm not mad, I wasn't. I wasn't angry at all. But if you look like it, people will believe it, right? Yes. So just remembering to smile, remembering to to show that I am enjoying it um, physically, because yeah. I was I was internally. So, um, but you know, at the end of the trip, so not at the end of the trip, but at, at the end of the of day one, um, we got to campsite. Everyone was safe. Everything was good, you know. And I was looking forward to eat. I love to eat, and I was looking forward to the, the eating part, the uh, cooking, and and really kind of sitting around and and enjoying that. But we had things we had to do first. Mm-hmm. You know, we had to set up camp. We had to get our um, really our tent hammocks set up in the trees. Yeah. You know, because they're tent hammocks, we gave them all the option that you can lay this down and use this as a tent, or like the the description set of this class, you can definitely do the hammock. And everybody wanted yeah. to try the hammock. There were some that were excited about sleeping in the hammock, and there were some that 
they weren't vocalizing their, uh, I'll say worry, but you could see it on their face like, oh boy. But I still think they wanted to. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Because we gave them the option. It was different. But it was different. It was like, yeah, I haven't got to experience this now is the time, but how's this going to work out? Yeah, and let's let's talk about the hammocks that they were sleeping in because right. Eno is the brand that everybody knows, everybody hangs. They've done a great job marketing. They have, it, yes. Yeah. And, and that's just a traditional, I'll say, parachute material mm-hmm. hammock. Um, They're going to call it lightweight. Lightweight. Yeah. It packs down into a, itself into a little ball. Uh, and we sleep in those. That's actually what I I did sleep in that. Right. And we sleep in those when we go, you know, our paddling trip out on 11 point we did several weeks ago, mm-hmm. slept in those. But these were different. These are actually tent hammocks. Yeah, what separates, so what makes it a tent hammock is it's an actual tent. So it has a, a bug covering, mm-hmm. okay? However you want to state that. Bug net. Yes, but it's a tent. Yes. So it's not a net that's like, it's... It's all attached and sewed together. It, it's yeah. literally a, a single man tent mm-hmm. that you can hang up in a tree, mm-hmm. right? And then it also comes with a rain fly. Right. So that that style is different than an Eno because an Eno hammock, you have to buy... You can buy the bug net. You can buy the rain fly. You right. can buy all the extra stuff to go with it, but it doesn't come together in one kit. And when you hang all that stuff on there, it's actually still separate. Yeah. It's just kind of a layering effect on the Eno. Correct. Whereas right. this is a tent that's hanging from the tree. So... It is neat. However, because of the the way it is designed, you're you are a part of what I'll call the ridge line. So it is kind of tippy. Mm-hmm. So you do have to be careful. It's like the old school um, weaved. Yeah, yeah, like a weaved. Yeah, the old school net hammock. Net hammock. Yeah, yeah that kind of hurt to lay on. It's it was not like rope. a net hammock, but it's that design. It's that design, and I flipped in those all the time as a kid. Right. So you had to you have to get it adjusted just right to you, um, and. You have to learn how to lay in it. Mm-hmm. So we, we did that. We, we practiced. We gave them the option. These tents can actually, you can actually just drop it right down on the ground and sleep on the ground in, in a one-man It's a tent single tent, yeah. Single if you wanted tent. to. But we gave them that option. Everybody chose to, to hang it, to put right. it up in the tree. Everybody wanted to try this this up in the tree. And we kind of warned them, you know, hey, you might flip. You probably need to lay like this. Because if you don't and you roll over, you might flip. You need to... Well, don't hang it that tight because you definitely will flip. And then if you hang it too loose, you in the shape of a burrito or a taco and mm-hmm. you're going to wake up with a backache. But everybody wanted to try the tent thing. Um, so we got everybody set up with that. And then uh, really we got the boats out of the water, carried them up. Uh, the, the two teenagers that were there. Um, kind of highlight the dynamics of the group here real quick. We had a, a father and his two teenagers just really wanting to spend some man time together. And then uh, you had... Uh, two gentlemen, two adult men, and then uh, one woman that was with us that was that was older, in her 70s, and really kind of trying to check off that, that bucket list item. So uh, kind of a, a wide range of, of goals and objectives and ages there, but we love that, and we, we, we were disappointed a little bit in ourselves because we didn't ask them at the beginning, and we do this a lot, but we, we forgot on this trip. Mm-hmm. We did not ask them. Why are you here? Right. What do you want to get out of this? What do you want to get? Um, it's goal? really helpful to us because we can work towards making sure they get that out of this. Mm-hmm. You can kind of figure it out along the way, but it, it's it's easier and more direct, and they feel more heard if you just ask them. So we were, in retrospect, um, that's something that we would have changed. We yeah. would have asked that at the beginning. And that I think that helped too. When I was telling you about what I learned, I think that helped too to calm us back down and mm-hmm. get us recentered there before we we went out. Give us a focus. Give us that focus point. Yeah, but it was just kind of. We had pivoted so much that morning that uh, I just wanted to ensure we were still keeping it safe, and we, and I I forgot that step for sure. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So the boys really wanted to get the fire going, mm-hmm. which they were wanting to see the ferro rods and all that. So got the fire going, which we don't want to cook. We were using camp stoves. So we don't want to cook around a fire, so we got a, a seats and cook area set up and started getting out food, which we were going to teach them how to use backpacking meals, dehydrated mm-hmm. food. And that mm-hmm. was kind of the premise. They were going to learn how to use the stove, learn how to use the ferro rods to light them, how to heat up their water and get to try some of these dif- different flavors of, of dehydrated meals. But, right. you know, everybody was having so much fun. He had kids looking for firewood, people getting camp set up just right. It was kind of hard to get everybody down to eat. Was. I was like, let's go, let's eat. Cause you and I are knowing we're looking over the ridge going, well, we're about to lose light, right. and once we lose light, things change in camp. So let's let's get food done and ate. We still had 
you know, down here in Southwest Missouri, it's bear country now. So we still had to get round up everybody's any food or drink items and get them strung up in the tree. Mm-hmm. Um, and we could tell there were some people that were pretty tired and, and getting close to ready for bed, even though it was right, 536 it, it was It was difficult. Um, when we were paddling upriver, we also had a battle of the wind. The wind was we had a headwind, yeah. coming right at us. And so um, it wasn't easy. It, no, wasn't, it wasn't just an easy, let's just float it. We had to truly paddle all the way there nonstop. Yes. Yeah. So you had some people getting sleepy, which is great because there's nothing better at – when you're exhausted, it's going to help you sleep through the night on any camping situation. I think I told you on the way there. I think you said, did you get up and work out today? And I said, yeah. Or No, my wife had asked, why Why are you getting up so early to work out? And I was like, "You, honey, you got to be good and tired to sleep good in a hammock. So I want to make sure I'm tired tonight when I get <laughs> yeah. there. So yep. good and tired is awesome when you're sleeping in a hammock. Um, it ensures your body's ready to get some rest because it is not sleeping in your bed at home. You're not as comfortable. You aren't. Right. And some people... You kind of prefaced the night with this. Some people love sleeping in a hammock, and then the other group doesn't like it so much. There's really your two groups. There's not really an in-between there. So we finally got them down, got them some supper. Everybody was seemed like pretty surprised at the dehydrated meals. Seemed like the, everybody yeah, everybody got to pick something they yeah. wanted to try and yeah. liked it and then uh, moved around the fire, and then we started getting uh, some no-bake cookies for dessert going. Everybody really enjoyed those. That's good. That's yes. good, yep. I whipped up some no-bake cookies. It's fun to cook. At least if people don't always know how to cook over you know, a back packing stove and pots, that's okay. But I also wanted to show them that you can. You can make gourmet food. Mm-hmm. And I mean gourmet. That's exactly what I mean. You can take things and make a gourmet-style meal in a backpacking stove right. for a group of people. You can. And, it really and just comes down to how much food weight do you want to carry. Some of that. Yeah, yeah I mean, you can also take, um, you know, if you're thinking about, noodles you know a pack of ramen noodles is is just like grabbing out a stick of well see now you're confusing me because you're using words gourmet and ramen in the yeah, same sentence yeah. so you, you can do it it just it really comes down to the seasoning and and how you're how you're heating it back up but anyway we did i cooked some dessert uh just kind of pep them up a little bit and uh, um yeah after we ate we got everything cleaned up and you know got to my favorite part and it isn't when everybody goes to bed. It's that time that you have around the, the fire. The campfire, and, yeah. You know, um, <clears throat> we actually sat and talked for a, a really a while as a group as we were eating supper and, and around all of the, the cook areas. And then... Well, it was, the evening was sent from God. I mean, it was it was cool. So, like, we'll call it hoodie weather. Yeah. Hoodie weather and then just a bright, bright moon. I mean, we're kind of... We hung our hammocks up in the wood line, and then because the water was low, we had a pretty good distance of, I'm going to call it beach, but here in the Ozarks, it's rocks. Mm -hmm. So out here on the rock, kind of gravel bar area where we could do all this, but the moon was just shining bright off of it. You could walk around and go get something out of your boat without even turning your flashlight on. Yeah, yeah, no, it was. So it was just a gorgeous night to be out having fellowship and and sharing stories and getting to know each other. Right, but it was, there was enough chill that the fire felt good. Yes, you, know, you needed so, to be by the fire. Right, so we, we got that fire going, and, and uh, one of the participants got the fire going for us, lit it up, and I think Brian Brian also helped in probably the fire. Okay, got the fire going. Um, but, you know, as a group, we got the fire going, and we sat around it, and all the firewood that everyone collected, we made sure, and, and we burned through because yeah. we, were, we were there for a while talking. And, th- and that's the part I was trying to say is my favorite part. That I, I didn't use the word fellowship, but... That's that's the great word, right? Fellowship, really learning from each other, sharing mm-hmm. experiences, and that's when you can dive in if you haven't asked to to why you're here or what do you love about life. Everybody has these skills and these talents and passions, but there's something to be learned from every person, and that's where you really start to see people who haven't said a word all day. Now they're sharing. Now they're laughing, and when you get a group of people like that that have just done something difficult together, it's it just seems more genuine. It just mm-hmm. really seems more genuine. There just seems to be more trust there because you just kind of went through something together. And doing something hard is, it just seems to bring joy and happiness. Even though you are doing something hard, you're away from your comforts. There's just this fulfillment that comes, especially when you're sharing it with other people. That's right. And that's what you and I love about these trips. But mm-hmm. that takes time. It does. We had to, we had to be there for that amount of time. And and the longer that you're with a group of people, man, the more that you can learn and grow from each other. 
you know, so that's why we, we love these overnight trips, but it takes a lot out of you. But you told a joke, and I want I want you to share this joke with, with everyone listening because it's one of the best jokes I think I've ever heard. Oh, goodness. Is this the poop joke? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you, for some reason, it mentioned at the beginning of the trip that I liked poop. I did. Yeah, I shared with them. It's, I kind of throw Brian under the bus sometimes. Not... Not way under the bus. Just enough, coming, this, just enough for your like your big toe gets ran over, but not your whole leg. Okay. So I yeah, at some point I told him that Brian loves loves animals and loves animal poo and yeah. loves to share about that. Yeah. And I, don't I, I love let's say I love the story that Animal Scat tells, but when it comes to like changing my kid's diaper, I'm gonna rub some Vicks Vapor Rub up in there. Yeah, you can't so, handle it. Yeah. So I can't handle it. So I wouldn't say that I love poop, but I love uh, reading nature signs and, and the story that it tells. So because of that, I asked the joke later. I said, hey, Ben mentioned I like poop earlier. So guys, do do trees poop? And everybody looked at me like I was crazy. Well, and course. I said, of course they do. Where do you think number two pencils come from? And the kids, I don't think they got it. Maybe they don't use number two pencils Maybe anymore. <laughs> However, the adults thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. I'm glad you shared it. Yes, that was a good one. Yes. Hope that so, made everybody's day. Again, that's the stuff we love, the the jokes um, and, and the fellowship. And really, there's some encouragement that comes with it because we really got some questions that were sincere of, of wanting to know our stories of us as individuals and why, <laughs> how do you get to be two guys in their 30s with families leading trips up a river with strangers? Like, how mm-hmm. does it, how do you get here? So sharing those stories and then sharing the stories of, of our business and then having people come alongside you and say, you know what? Keep going. I I love what you're doing. I love your message. I understand this is hard and that is hard, but thank you for doing this. Um, You know, the, the dad that was there with his two sons on the way back the next day, he shared with me. um, And this is probably the most important thing anybody said to me um, the whole week. Um, And we don't, we don't go into these trips saying, we're going to share the gospel. We don't, we don't go in here saying we're going to share the gospel. We're going to share. It's just who we are because of how it's, how it's changed us. We're not a church. We're not, um, pastors. You know, we are just two men that love Christ and we, we love the outdoors and we love to teach people skills and outdoor information. And what we found is, is as Christian and, and as, we are followers of Christ, and we understand our origins. We understand where our origin comes from. That is, that's creation. Right. And we also realize that as we're out in it with people, God reveals Himself through that creation of of He makes it clear to who He is in His grand design. Mm-hmm. And that's honestly, as that all comes together, there it comes. Sometimes. We share it because it's it's right there to share. Um, well, and I hope that just just to be candid, Ben. I mean, you know this, and this was something that that was shared because of some of the deeper conversations we got into. But mm-hmm. um, our business has not grown as fast as was planned to, mm-hmm. and we have lost a significant amount of revenue um, because of our relationship with Christ, and yeah. and, and that stinks and it hurts. Um, but that's worldly, and we're not going to waver from that. We know there's people that listen to this podcast. We know that we have friends and, and family that ne- don't necessarily agree with the things that we say right. or what we believe. Um, but w- my message to you would be: we we can't stop sharing it because we feel so we still feel so passionately and convicted about it, and truly feel that um, this world is hard. This world is tough, and it's going to be for you. It's going to be for me. We don't get any special favor because we follow Christ. However, we know that because this world is tough and hard, that there's going to be an end. There's going to be a day of judgment. You're bad, Ben. Mm-hmm. I'm bad. Mm-hmm. We are. Mm-hmm. And, and everybody listening to this is, is too. There's we no we love good. you, but you're bad. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to judgment day, whether I die or Jesus Christ comes back to make the new heaven and the new earth, I know that I'm going to be with him. And, and the opposite of that is hell, which is complete separation from God for eternity. Mm-hmm. And none of us have ever experienced that. Even if we don't acknowledge Christ, the Holy Spirit is still here. So we don't know true separation from Christ, no matter how bad this earth gets for us. We right. don't know it. Right. So to experience that will be worse than anything. And because we love you, whether you believe it or not, whether you agree or disagree with us, we have to share it. 
whether it makes us lose money and makes our business crash or we can't provide for our family because you spending time in hell, spending your life in hell is way worse than my kids not having the shoes that they want. Absolutely. I'd let them run around barefoot if it meant somebody coming to Christ. Yeah. There it is. It's it's on our hearts. It's who we are, and, and it gets shared, and we're going to, and we're going to continue to do that. Yeah, yep. and, it, and it did come up, and, and what was said to me that was meaningful and impactful, and I, I, I want to say this in a most sincere way without putting Ben or I up on a pedestal at all, because it is not us. It's not about us. But the Father said to us, he, he wanted to thank me. It was impactful for him, for his sons, to hear men talking about Christ and sharing Christ that wasn't him. Mm-hmm. And it's so important for dads to do that. But at some point, we're around our kids every day. It kind of becomes this thing, that's just something dad does. Well, dad just reads, you know, both his sons believed in Christ, but just to hear other men that have different backgrounds and totally different stories than, than their dad to talk about it, it impacted him. And I didn't even... That we didn't go in with, we got to do this, we got to do this, but to hear that that's what happened because God orchestrated it, I was thankful that he shared that, and I was thankful that it happened uh, for those boys in that family. Yeah, when he shared that with me, it's aw- it, it woke, I don't know if it woke me up, but it, it well, did. You were kind of sleepy. Yeah, I was kind of <laughs> sleepy. But it did, uh, you know, it, it got me thinking about when men get together, what are they getting together for? So, could be football, right? I'm just going to use football as the example. A lot of times it's like a group of men get together to watch football. I do and, like watching some football. Right, and, and and there's nothing wrong with it in that moment. However, Razorbacks, you, Razorbacks won this weekend, in case you were wondering. Congrats to them. <laughs> I, I guess I'm supposed to say woo pig. Is that what we say? That's right, woo yeah. pig. You can, you can tell I really watch a lot of football. But uh, <laughs> but where, where are your kids at yeah. while you're watching football? And... I think that was the power of what he was sharing of like the kids were doing what the adult men were doing and they were getting to do it together. Mm. And we, we don't do a lot of that, especially talking about Christ with our kids there as well. You don't think about you go to church, dropping kids off at class. Let's just say you're not even doing that. You're just doing something on the weekend. You're dropping your kids off. You and your wife or, or you and your friends may be talking about Christ, but our kids aren't always around us while we're doing that. And, and that never really clicked for me. It's, it's, we're doing it, but not always around them. Right. And so to be able to provide that opportunity, that that was awesome. That never even entered my mind until yeah. he shared that. So we need more opportunities for for men to, to be out with their sons and be able to, to really talk as a group and, and share, you yeah. know, and someday that's we'll, Someday when we have that big piece lane with the river flowing through it, we'll... That's right. We'll offer one of those every week. If anybody out there has got some land. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that our ploy for help? There yeah. you go. No, so and it was it was impactful to to share with those people. They were tired, so they they resigned to, to bed at a pretty decent hour. I'm say most of everybody would between nine and ten o'clock, um, and you could see some flashlights up there and some talking, trying to figure out the whole hammock thing. But you and I always stay up on these trips uh, later than everybody else. One, there's always still some work to do, some cleaning yeah. dishes getting firewood for the next morning, hanging the bear bag, making sure the boats, the gear, everything is is where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you and I can talk again, that that kind of brainstorming. What are you seeing? Because we see different things. You and I, just because of the talents that we have as people, we're able to see different things. Um, you may have built relationship in the group with a couple people, and I mm-hmm. may have built a little deeper with these other people. And we kind of put all this information together again so that the next day, we can really try to provide the best experience for everybody. Um, try to meet everybody where they're at is kind of what what we say. Right. Um, so we stayed up, got that, um, and then kind of wound down. And once you and I, once we get off the work topic and just start sharing and and creation or beauty or sitting around the fire, uh, that's usually when the sleepiness sets in. And then you and I have to go resign. I actually don't even think we set up had set up camp yet. So we had to get our our hammock set up. Yeah, we'd spent we'd spent a lot of time helping. Yeah. You know, really get set up cuz a, a hammock tent um there's probably a lot of people that have never used one. And they're they are more difficult to set up. It's not just pop it up and and lay in it. So Right. And the 
the way we were setting these up was with a knot that most people don't know. So yeah. teaching that knot, helping tie that knot. It was, it was fun knot. to get to teach a new knot. To, it was. Or a knot to people that hadn't learned it, you yeah. know. And it was. I before. Even, you know, the one that I helped set up, it, it was tough to get that tight enough with that knot and to really have it stable enough to sleep in, but not so loose that you were touching the ground or, or bolted up like a taco. Yeah, so. and if you're asking what knot, we, we taught the bowling. Yeah. And if you don't know that knot, look it up, learn it. It's amazing anchor knot for anything that you want to anchor. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. If you, we have tying the, I think we have a video of you teaching some students to tie the bowline mm-hmm. on our Instagram reels or yeah, our TikTok. So that's a good place to find it. If you have, have questions about it, let us know. But it's a, it's a great knot because it's such a strong anchor that you can literally take two trucks and tie a bowline to each one and, and separate them and still go up with just two fingers and untie the thing. So that's, yeah. that's my favorite part is how easy it's un, is to is untie. Is to untie it. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, through the night, it was a little interesting. Well, we thought, you know, it was supposed to get down to 55 degrees. It was supposed to be the low. You and I had stayed up till, it was around midnight or so, and there wasn't a lot to do, so I made the decision. I was just going to hang a tarp over my Eno hammock. I made the decision to go without it. No bedroll. I wanted to be kind of fast and nimble the next morning, getting everything packed up. So I went with just my sleeping bag and just my hammock. And it is a double hammock, so I can kind of cocoon in a little bit. But um, I got cold. Mm-hmm. I did. I got cold. My feet got cold, and I ended up completely inside my bag. Slept decent. Decent enough that I didn't hear the commotion that I learned about the next day. Um, but I did. I, I, I got cold. Um, and come to find out, when I got up the next morning, the thermometer actually said 45. Mm. So it got 10 degrees colder than they had planned. Right. Um, I was in a 20-degree bag. so well, everyone was. We everybody was in a 20-degree 20 20 bag. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe had I thrown some... I just had shorts on. Yep. And maybe I thrown a, a hoodie and some wool socks on. I probably would have been a little bit more comfortable in there. But that's kind of a tip if you are sleeping in a sleeping bag. Try to have it rated close to the low. Otherwise, you'd be... For example, is getting down to 55. Had you jumped in a zero or a negative bag, you, you would have been hot. Yeah. So twenty bag, a twenty degree bag was about the right bag for that. And most people are grabbing thin sleeping bags, which are usually around forty degrees. So right. really watch your your degree on your bag because mm-hmm. if you'd have took a forty, you'd have been really cold. It, yeah, you'd have been yeah. right there. But we also have the added in, um, not risk, but because of of being off the ground in a hammock, um, you can get colder than than being on the ground. Right. You have that cool wind which we did we had a wind the tree line was kind of stopping some of that but um you can lose body heat by being up off the ground absolutely so the commotion that we heard about the next morning Mm -hmm. um the woman that was on on our trip with us that was in her 70s she really wanted to do it i guess she had flipped in her hammock and she was calling for help which you kind of got two stories there the next morning of she she was saying she was calling very softly, not trying to wake anybody. And and then the person on our trip that actually helped her was saying, it wasn't that soft, but I must have been out because I was, I don't know, 20 yards away and I never heard it. And supposedly this went down like 3, 3.30 in the morning. You were a little bit further than me. I did you hear it? I remember at waking up at like 3.35 and seeing a flashlight. Yeah. I'm moving around a lot, but I, I didn't hear any of that. No, so I didn't didn't get out of the yeah i I didn't woke up i didn't wake up which kind of felt a little bit bad for but somebody in our group stepped up and and helped her helped her get back in her hammock i think at that point they actually lowered the straps all over the ground and let her get in the ground uh uh, put that tin on the ground and and just sleep that way Um, but when i woke up at at six it was still dark outside but i wanted to get up and get to the fire and get it started uh, for breakfast and have it stoked when everybody was waking up. <laughs> when I woke, I woke up. I got up. I I got uh, dressed for the day, so I put a, another layer on on top, my sweatshirt and vest, and brushed my teeth real quick right there by the tree. And then I turn and I look, and <laughs> bless her heart, she's standing over there in her in her white trench coat, just standing by the tree. And I thought, oh my goodness. And I walk over to her and asked her how she was doing, and she was just smiling ear to ear as chipper as could be. And she said to me, and I think there's something that everybody could learn from this. She told me real quick that she'd been flipped over. And she said to me, I just enjoyed that so much. I said, well, how much sleep did you get? None. 
And I'm kind of looking at her like she's crazy. And she said, that adventure that night was just even more adventurous than the day. I just enjoyed that so much. And I thought, fun and joy is a choice. Mm-hmm. It really is. And I, I took that from her because I'd have been so frustrated had I flipped over once or twice and, and not been able to, to sleep. I would have been frustrated by that. And if there was frustration, she was doing a darn good job hiding it because she really came across joyful and happy. And I said, well, would you like to go down to the fire with me? I'll get the fire going. And she said, yeah, I've been waiting for that. <laughs> she was ready to get a little warmth from the fire. But when we got down there, she sat and talked and, and shared stories just as as joyful just as joyful as she was when she went to bed. So our trials and our tribulations are hard. But, um, you know, our code of honor, we say fun, and fun is a choice. If you're doing something out of your comfort zone today, you can choose to have fun. Um, And when you first started saying that and teaching that, it kind of confused me. Uh, But watching her say that, I get it. I get what what she went through and and the choice that she made to be joyful in the morning. It was cool to see that for me. Yeah, it was also her bucket list. Yep. She really wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. If (laughs) it is that perspective that I mean, she wanted to sleep in a hammock because I had asked her at one point before bedtime, "Hey, we can take this out of the tree and we can lay on the ground like a tent." Yeah, and she really wanted to sleep in a hammock, really wanted to, and so it was that perspective which, yeah, it still brings frustration if you flipped, but but joy in no matter what, man, what the outcome was, didn't it? She just wanted to experience it, and she did. And mm-hmm. that, you know, going in with a mindset of, oh, I don't want to sleep in a hammock tonight, you know, of course. And if any little thing happens, it's going to lead to more frustration. So she, her perspective going in was was really encouraging and powerful for me that, man, just enjoy anything and everything that you do. Yeah. That's, do it. Enjoy it. And and that's hard, but it's it's doable because she did it. Yeah, and then everybody got up and got to come to come tell the stories of yeah. what they heard through the night, coyotes, owls, all yeah. this. Uh, somebody, somebody had some kind of animal pass under their hammock and kind of brush their back. Yeah, which I think was dogs. There, there were there were some houses. There were some neighbors that weren't too yeah. far away. I don't know if everybody knew or saw all the houses that yeah. we were kind of close by. But. Well, the next day when we left, as we're going down the river, there were some dogs kind of shadowing oh, us did, yeah. So yeah. some friendly neighbor dogs it was probably them coming through seeing what they could find but right. everybody got to sit around the fire of the morning get warm share their adventures uh you know we got breakfast going for everybody bacon and eggs and biscuits uh hash browns did it upright make sure everybody gets gets some fuel and some energy coffee making sure everybody had as many cups of coffee as they wanted and then uh, getting one in ourselves there when we could uh but then you know we had to we had to be back by lunchtime, so jumping on the water and paddling out. And, of course, the wind had changed from when we went in, so paddling into the wind again, but beautiful day. Mm-hmm. Started in a sweatshirt paddling. By the time I was done, I was back in my T-shirt. Bald eagles flying, bald eagles perch. We watched an osprey come down right in front of us and snag a fish and go up and eat it. Deer just, just taking in nature and creation, taking in all that was going around us. You know, when I'm going on these trips, I, I just... You can look straight off the nose of your boat and look at the water in front of you. Again, this is a choice. Or you can paddle and take it all in. Look at the the cool stairs that people have built from their houses down to the water and think, oh my goodness, how did they, somebody worked their butt off. How did they even think to do that? See the osprey coming in and diving. See the heron over, just take in all these things. See the deer swimming across the lake. You can miss all that or you can make the choice to, to be observant and, and really take in the story that's happening around you. And that's my favorite. I love that. I love that. So Yeah, and, and you do a great of that, of, of being aware. You know, that's what I was telling all of them. Like, Brian's aware of what, well, not aware maybe of like the boat or him, but if, if it's an animal, mm-hmm. he's aware of it. Yeah. So <laughs> if there's a snake that's under a rock and it's chasing a mouse, Brian's done saw it. Speaking of, <laughs> and when, we, when we got back to the marina, somebody said, we didn't see any snakes on that trip. And I saw at least three. Right. <laughs> Brian did. But you're very aware of that. And, and that's what's great to have you along to, to share with other people. Because when people are working on, on their skill or they're wrapped up in their emotion of how they feel they're hurt or whatever it is, their back sore, you know, or my hands hurt, um, you do a great job of, of waking them up or, or distracting them with saying, look at that. Look, check out those. Look at those deer over there when mm-hmm. no one else saw the deer. So, yeah. You did a great job, man. I was really thankful to have you. A part of that trip, um, 
it was awesome to to be with all of them as well. Um, learned a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. and everybody was able to. We paddled back in the wind. We mm-hmm. we made it back to camp, uh, or back to the marina where we started, and yep. and everybody got their gear and kind of went their separate ways. Um, you know, what was cool that people wanted to have our business cards and share contact information, and we've been in contact with some of them after. So to know that you've built a relationship enough, it seems like there's some trust there going forward, and people want to advocate for you. That feels really good. Um, our, our weekend changed a little bit for us at that point. Um, you know, I, I'd made my, I'd actually went up and found my truck that was parked a little bit away and pulled it down closer to where we were unloading and had brought my first round of gear up and my phone went off and I looked down and my, and my wife had, had texted me. Um, Mm -hmm. and it was actually a message for you because people had been trying to get in, in touch with you. Um, and because of, because of what I'm about to share, our families are, are, are both tied to this family. So everybody kind of knew what was going on except you and I. Um, but, uh, a close family friend, somebody that you consider to be uh, a father figure for, mm-hmm. for your whole life yep. had actually passed away that morning. Um, and we didn't know about it because we were out doing our thing. Um, so I had to share that with you. I think I even said, I don't know why I have to be the one to share this with yeah, you. you did. But, That's how you started off. But, yeah. uh, shared with you, um, that he had passed away. Um, and you know, there's the stages of grief and I don't, you didn't really go into denial, but you just kind of looked at me like, you didn't just go into a bunch of emotion. It was just kind of like, huh. But see, you knew he was a man of God. Right. You knew he believed that Jesus Christ covered his sins. So mm-hmm. you knew he was dancing and, and he had told you in, in the recent days, Ben, when you get to heaven, if you want to find me, come to Jesus' feet. That's where I'm going to be. And you knew he was there in that instant. Right. And so there really was a peace over you instantly uh, be- because of, of that fact that you knew. Right. It wasn't what some people go through, the emotions of fear yeah. and, and doubt and like Even confusion. Even How could you do this? And then leading to anger. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and the I'm thinking about this in two ways right now. Um because we're doing this podcast and, and the information that we share, I'm thinking about it in two ways, and, and I want to share it in two ways, and this may be weird for people, but I want to first talk about how um, how cell phones can fail you. So in this moment that you're talking about, no one could get a hold of us. Yeah, I think that was kind of by design in a way, yeah. because I'm guiding a trip. And there would have been it would it wouldn't have served anyone well for me to find that information. There's nothing I can do. Yeah. It did take your mind the rest of the day. I was it thankful did. we didn't have anything really important for the rest of the day because it, it it took your mind. It did. Yeah. Oh, it it absolutely did. And I, I think there's uh, oh, what's uh, I think there is a reason for that. Mm-hmm. I think that was truly by design to to keep us engaged in doing. Yeah. What we were doing with who we were doing it focused with. on them, focus on safety. because you know as soon as we were really done, completely done, that's when you found out the information. Mm-hmm. But also when we talk about leaving behind information um, for safety as well, um, you know the people that needed to get a hold of us, they did, and and they did it through the process and the steps that I left behind. You know, right after I found that information out. I get I get a call from someone locally, someone who was even sent um, to come tell me, and yeah. so you can see how leaving behind, like we 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 really preach on, um, we preach on leave this information for people to hold it, and they did, and and on on the side that I'm talking about, it worked, and I did find it out through you as a second first means, but um, all of that comes into play, and so man, if 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 you're going out on trips when you're going doing those things. Man, f- leave that information with people so they can get a hold of you because I'm so thankful that I learned about it and I'm and as quickly as I could, right? So, yeah, as soon as I found out about that, it it took me a minute to accept it because that's kind of a weird thing to hear, mm-hmm. you know. And we were just coming off of a, an amazing, fun trip with a fun group of people. So yeah, and it, it was uh, in a way, it was an unexpected passing. It was, yeah, yeah it, it definitely wasn't the timing that that any of us thought or even how, but right. at the end of the day, it, it happened. And 
that that began to kind of prepare my mind, um, which leads us into really the next day, some of the classes we taught. It was right there for what we call our sub- survival bug out bag class. And, and it was the last class that we taught, but it it did kind of help me put some things into perspective um, about life and how life is precious. And at the end of it, man, when, when it's when it's time to go and it's done, um, you ain't taking anything with you. You're not. You're not taking anything. And, we, and when, when it's your time, there's nothing you can do about it. No. There's nothing you can do. No. And and people want to teach this self-reliance and self-sufficiency. And survival, right. You'll never be that. You can't be. You won't. <laughs> you won't. And, you know, preparing for that survival bug out back class, which that was a joy. Like, the group that were there, they were another amazing group that were really excited to learn and think through some of this stuff when it can be tough to think about. Yeah. You know, and I was in the middle of truly thinking about it. I just had a family member... It was a father to me, uh, pass and and but then thinking through of, of it, it doesn't matter. You can have all the world's best gear, but when it's time, it's time, and you ain't taking any of it with you. But there's still an importance. There's still an importance of being a steward here while on earth to to do the best you can with what you have. Right. And, and that was really what I wanted at the end to to come across like. You can have all the world's, you can have all the best stuff, but if you don't know how to use what's in the bag, then none of it matters. Mm. And that's, I think that's that's life. Like, most of us have a Bible. If you don't, when you go to a hotel, open the drawer, there's one there for you. Yeah. There's, well, actually, the Bible's the best seller book in the, in the entire world. Yeah, it's, by a long shot. By a long yeah. shot. Most people have one, and most of the time, they just leave it on the shelf. If you don't know how to use that, now's the time to, to start learning how to use it. Mm-hmm. But that's just like our survival equipment that we're taking out. If you don't know how to use the equipment, um, then why take it? Why have it? And then kind of at the end, and that was a question that we asked them of, you know, where do you find your hope? But at the end, when when time's up, it's up. Yeah. You know? And that hit home because I was right there in the moment, really experienced all that. And, and really kind of trying to come to terms of with what I'm preaching, sharing, and teaching. Is it true? Hmm. Right? Is is what we're sharing truth, and I, th- I think it is, Brian. I mean, there's, there's, you, you do the best with what you got until you can't no more, you know. But don't put everything that you have in the worldly items because they can only serve you for so long, you know. Um, I also want to share that that uh, we had took the boat. You said that to get a little fishing in, and and. Uh, this family member, he uh, he was an integral part of, of. He helped you get the boat. Yeah, yeah you, it, of it, getting the boat and candidly, a boat a boat that uh, the time you got it, you would not have been able to afford for right. what the boat was worth. Right. Yeah. And so just, yeah, just amazing and kind of like our, our little homage, worldly earthly thing for us to go do. Um, we didn't get a lot of time. Um, a lot of phone calls and things that need to be made there for people. Kind of even that decision: do we go home? Um, you know, my wife had taken some of that family's children. And so my wife has this house full of kids by herself. So we're battling this. Do we go home? But it's not just a short little trip up the road for us. You know, it would have taken us by the time we got everything over a couple hours to get home. And then we had to be back by like seven o'clock the next day. So really kind of weighing this, calling people, being there for people. Um, you know, he, the man that passed had had sons that that we both love and consider good friends, and, right. and one is your best friend your brother. whole life. Yeah, uh, you consider brother. him a brother. So, if we had to be there for them and to pass up fishing, we would have done that. So, we fished a lot less than we had planned. However, we we were able to go out and, and catch a few bass, um, be out on the water, enjoy the boat, um, and, and talk. You know that mm-hmm. it was the basis of a lot of our conversation was was his passing and his family members. and Well, because I took him fishing a lot in, yeah. in, in that boat. Yeah. And so... Um, Told some stories. It's just good to, after somebody is. goes, just to share stories. Her t- memories are for us because I believe that they're they're not thinking about that anymore. But no. we are. It's for yeah, us. It's for us. It's, yeah. it's why we call it a celebration yeah. of life, you know, mm-hmm. in, in a way. I mean, um, there's, there was a lot of joy in that. And then you get that emotion of, man, it... Won't get any what more. could I have done? Yeah. What you know, and and you go through the, the your some of your stages of grief depending on where you're at and um, process through it. But it was just man, it it was good to process with you in that moment down there on the water, um, 
for me through him, you know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, um, I think it helped. It helped me get over it even to, to really understand it and process through even faster. So, um, yeah, t- that was kind of heavy, and thanks for listening to all that. And, and um, Well, like I said earlier, life isn't easy, and, right. and life can get heavy, but uh, we were honored to go down there and, and teach at the school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some other teachers that we hadn't seen in a couple years to run into and, and for them to share what they're doing and just to see so many families and, and children out enjoying the outdoors Choosing outside to. of our classes. That's what I want. They chose to sign up to go do these things. Chose to travel, spend their money on right. hotels, campsites, food to go out and do this. Uh, really kudos to, to all the parents that did that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so many of these parents are there taking these classes with their kids, not yeah. just dropping them off. And that hits me in a special spot in my heart. So I would just leave you with that encouragement. Um, Find these schools like this. This isn't the only one. Find these schools like this. Reach out to us. Our other organizations that are doing similar things to us in your area. Get your family outside. Get yourself outside. Take your kids outside and let them gain skills. Even if they're just out there exploring, learning what an acorn is, they are learning. Mm -hmm. They are gaining from that. Um, And we could go down a multiple podcast uh, about what they're truly getting from all that. But but just know that it's important to us, and if we can help you in any way um, that we can. To the Norick family, our condolences. Um, yes. Condolences uh, for the loss of Dennis. Um, going forward through this process, if, if we can be there for you, uh, we'd love to. Anybody else going through that, our condolences to you. We know it's, it's happening every day. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so, Ben, I, I know he was... I knew him a little bit. I knew his kids well, but I know you were really close to him. So uh, my condolences to to you as well. Thank you. Yeah, and anyone, any anybody out there that uh, he had an impact on, um, just be thankful that that he had the impact on you while he was here. Yet yeah. I learned a lot from him. Absolutely. So yeah. again, get your kids outside. If you love what we're doing here at Meant to Be Outdoors, we'd love for you to help support us uh, financially. There is a link tree in each of our social accounts. You can find Patreon on there. Uh, I think five, ten, and twenty dollars to support us uh, monthly. We greatly appreciate that. The best way to honestly support us, though, listen to the podcast and share it with others. Please Whatever share. platform you're mm-hmm. listening on, leave us a rating. Even type up a little review to let us know what you do like, what you don't like. We greatly appreciate that guidance as well. If you see us in person, reach out to us. Let us know. But that is it for this episode of the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. We hope that between now and our next episode, you find time to get outdoors. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. Please help us by subscribing. Also, follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.